When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Here we go. Jackson for his tight end, brought in by Mark Andrews, who escapes and goes all the way for the touchdown. Intercepted, picked up by Thomas. Earl Thomas with a foot race. Brown won't get him. That will be six. Running a little option. Jackson beats. Jackson breaks the tackle. He's right to the pylon, and it's a touchdown. Ravens, 12 and 2. Winners again, 42 21 over the Jets. That's my most exclamatory intro yet, but I got to keep this going and I'm running out of uh, cadence. So that's where we are now. I am joined in a nice apartment by my good friend Tim Horsey. Tim, Thanks for having me. We're uh, we're on the road this week. Yeah, of course. Yeah, take people behind the curtain. We had to change things up. We're doing it from my lovely green couch. I just got to say, I wasn't I wasn't ready for that. We 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 ask each other about four or five times. Are you ready? Are we ready? Is everything silenced? Are we ready? Let's do it. Are the recorders going? Are we ready? Are we ready? And I was still floored. That was incredible. Your best yet. Your best yet. And hopefully. You know, as the season rolls on and kind of rolls to its uh, climax here, it keeps going. I gotta, I may have to take it down at a certain point in terms of just level, maybe be a little more central, because I'm running out of, like, yeah, space sure. at the top, and the Ravens keep winning, so it's an issue with that. Maybe when we smoke the Browns, it's going to be kind of seen like that. The spoilers when we get later to the podcast. You can turn, tone it down, like, turn it back down for that to get it ramped up perfectly for playoffs. That's a very good point. Very good point. Joined. Again, two weeks in a row now. Uh, very exciting. Uh, by our West Coast correspondent, Jace T. Evans. Jace, how's it going over there? It's going great, boys. Uh, Baltimore Ravens, 10 straight wins. Kings of the North, yet again. Um, can't really complain. The Ravens coming off of a Thursday night win at home, 42-21. to Again, now 12-2. and Hanging on to that number one seed in the AFC. Need one more win, and they are guaranteed to be the number one seed in the AFC. But before we look ahead, let's look back 
at that game that now seems to be a long time ago. Thursday night game that Tim Horsey was in attendance mm-hmm. at the bank. Ravens, offense, great. Defense, pretty good. Special teams, we'll talk about that later. Let's start with the <laughs> offense. What did you guys like uh, coming out of this game? Dropped another 42 points, uh, so a lot of things working, but what did you guys like in particular about this Ravens game? Yeah, it's, it's a little different being there. Obviously, you're not, you don't have, because we're all addicted to social media and Twitter, you don't have that open while watching the game. Um, you're maybe not as tuned in on different stats and records being broken. Obviously, the Vic thing, as soon as he broke it, uh, if you haven't heard, Lamar Jackson now owns the record for single-season rushing yards by an NFL quarterback. Uh, but he also threw five touchdowns on 15 to 23, 212 yards. And I think the one thing that's, and you can take it with a grain of salt because I was there, but the thing that I found really interesting is that it almost felt normal, which is abnormal. Like it, it's, it's very, very weird. But the fact that, oh yeah, there's another touchdown pass to Mark Andrews. Oh, there's Seth Roberts getting involved. Here's Miles Boykin. Hollywood Brown, that was abnormal. That toe touch, we'll get to that in a minute. <laughs> but but the performance of this offense and the way they're able to just churn out yards and results and points, the fact that that's almost we're shrugging our shoulders at it uh, in a way, and I'm not taking it for granted, but, but do you understand what I mean? That it almost feels like something that we expect now, which is something we've never expected in the history of the Baltimore Ravens? <laughs> yeah, it's certainly something we've truly never watched because with those five TD passes, he tied the Ravens single season franchise record uh, held by one Vinny Testaverde. <laughs> um, it's to give you a, he has not played for the team since 1997 to put uh, some perspective into uh, how long it's been. It was wild. And, to your point, Tim, it just seems like it like this offense can just get rolling in such a way that you're just like, yeah, that's of course they finished the drive at a touchdown. They you're gaining like six yards of play, and but it's unprecedented. They seem a sure bet to clear 500 points for the first time in franchise history. They'd only scored 400 once, um, so it's it's truly uh, it's a brave new world of Ravens football, and I'm very excited to be watching it. Yeah, it, it seems us- like Ravens normal for this year because they've scored over 30 points now for the seventh game in the se- of the season. It's like laughable at this point. <laughs> uh, they did exactly what they wanted to start the game. That's another thing that we've talked about. That's why I think it seems like the new normal. They take the lead early. They do exactly what they want. They set the tone, set the tempo of the game, and then the other team is chasing seemingly for the rest of the game. Scored touchdowns on their first three drives. Uh, and just were in control the entire time. As you talked about, Lamar Jackson passes Mike Vick for the most rushing yards, throws for five touchdown passes. He's going to end up with something like 3,200 passing yards, 1,200 rushing yards, and between 45 and 50 total touchdowns. And is, at this point, a lock for the MVP, barring two horrendous games. But it has been really incredible. The The running is there. The passing is there. Hollywood Brown is there, and uh, I mean they're they're ready for the they're ready for the postseason. Yeah, we'll get to Hollywood in a minute, and I'm going to let you wax poetic, Antonio, because I know you want to. Um, Lamar runs the ball a lot. Great, Lamar is taking some hits we don't like, but for the most part has been very good in that department. Lamar Jackson leads the league in touchdown passes with 33. I mean, we're not going to go on the narrative that people can't think he can, or people don't think he can pass the ball because I think. 
everybody outside of Booger McFarlane and Bill Polian are not on that train anymore. Actually, Booger is off the train because against the L.A. Rams, he apologized about 1,500 <laughs> times during the broadcast about his just absolutely horrible take. But the one thing I want to focus on and something that we talked about a little last week, the Jets' run defense was apparently very good, giving up around 78 yards a game before this, I believe. And if you've seen uh, what's happened with some other teams is they've dropped consistently in terms of their rush defense after they play the Baltimore Ravens. Now, I will admit I don't know where the Jets stand at this very moment. I can get that for you. But it was strength versus strength, our rushing game versus their rush defense, and the Ravens won out convincingly. Rushed the ball 34 times for 218 yards, averaging 6.4 yards a rush. And sure, that's probably dragged up by Lamar Jackson's 10.8-yard average, some of that coming scrambling out of the pocket on plays that weren't designed as runs. But Mark Ingram averaged 5.8 yards a carry on 13 carries on obviously designed runs. They ran it down their throat the entire game. They were able to control the tempo. And then guess what? When you have that momentum and you have this, as Antonio talked about, this security blanket of a lead, then you just kind of let Lamar do what he do and throw another five touchdown passes on top of it. I thought the offense was was fantastic the entire night. Well, you talk about running it down their throats to start the game, and it, when it was the Jets' strength was stopping the run. Something that Troy Aikman talked about in the broadcast was that you prepare for the Ravens, you know, you, you scheme against their RPO, but then once you see it on the field, how, the speed of it takes a while to get adjusted to. And that's exactly what happened. And it was on a short week. Um, so I think those two things really worked well for the Ravens. And they worked in the Ravens' favor for this game. The Jets did not have a lot of time to prepare for it. Uh, and then on a, sh- on a short week, when it hit them, I mean, there were holes all over the place. Whenever they got to the outside, it seemed like there was space for Lamar to run, especially early. And they just took complete control. Yeah, the running game has been obviously the bedrock of this team all season. Uh the Ravens, they need under 200 yards, I believe it's 170 is the number around there, uh, to become just the third team ever to rush for 3,000 yards in a season. And they're only 336 rushing yards away from the all-time single-season rushing yards record for an NFL team. Seems doable. Uh, so just their ability week in and week out to really, with few exceptions, not really be denied on the ground is obviously so key and... I completely agree with you guys, especially Mark Ingram. Some of the he's been we've gone on and on about how fantastic an addition he's he's been this year. But um, it's really fun when the team gets rolling to just kind of watch it all happen. I think we're all fans of uh, we've watched the Ravens a long time. We all like running the ball, I think. And uh, yeah, they're obviously what Lamar's doing through the air is awesome. But just to grind games out like this and then when you take a lead to just shorten the game, it's going to be valuable come January. In terms of the passing offense, another game where seven Ravens caught passes, uh, five of them caught touch- touchdown passes. <laughs> a nice game out of Seth Roberts, who is seemingly like the fourth, fifth option on this team. He had three catches and a touchdown. Uh, I'll talk briefly right now about Marquise Brown. He's a rookie. Uh, the Ravens have drafted a lot of receivers who have not done <laughs> shades of the things that Marquise Brown is doing in his rookie year. And it's not about the mass of, of nat numbers and stats. He drew a deep pass interference early in the game. He had an excellent toe tap on a ball that 
Lamar Jackson had overthrown, basically, but uh, Hollywood used his speed to get to the ball, and then his abilities to get the toes down did not look like he did uh, when the play was at full speed, but he did. He's making plays that rookies rarely make. Ravens rookies, receivers, have never made. (laughs) I'm very into him as a tool for the next five to ten years. Um, And then another guy, Mark Andrews has to become, has, you know, Ravens fans know him as a top tight end, but he's getting more and more in the conversation of a top 10, top five guy in the NFL. Yeah, I would say so. I mean, you look at a guy like Greg Kittle, who is kind of known as probably the best tight end in the NFL, you would say, at this moment in time. Um, Right now, leading, leading that San Francisco attack and kind of being their only option. Well, if you look at the numbers... Mark Andrews compares to him, not only compares to him, but beats him out in a lot of categories. Eight touchdown catches for Mark Andrews this season. He's often been that security blanket, and I think he's, if healthy, which is a big problem for him, can be established as probably a top five tight end in this league. On the other side of that, though, you talk about the security blanket. One of our biggest issues with Lamar Jackson, there were very few, but one of the (laughs) ones that we had at the beginning of the year was that Third and nine, he's looking to Mark Andrews, and he's not really going anywhere else. It was exposed in the Pittsburgh game. It was exposed in the Seattle game when Mark Andrews couldn't catch a cold out in Seattle. (laughs) And now that you're seeing different guys step up, I think that is so, so valuable for this offense when, frankly, you're going to go up against either teams that have a great defense, teams that you've seen before in the regular season when you meet them in the playoffs because we've played a lot of the best teams in the NFL at this point. Or a combination of both. And they're going to have ways to scheme out guys like Mark Andrews and maybe force Lamar to look other ways. And then you have a guy like Seth Roberts step up and make some huge plays, including a touchdown catch. That is That can be so, so beneficial for this offense moving forward. Yeah, I completely agree. And the only uh, thing I want to shout out, uh, Mark Andrews set a Ravens record, actually, with that eighth touchdown. He has more touchdowns by a tight end than any player in a single season uh, in Ravens history, past a co-record held by Dennis Pitta and Todd Heap, which makes sense. Um, So shout out Mark Andrews for that. This is a team that, a franchise that has loved the tight end. So it's (laughs) kind of surprising to see that he has that record with two games to play. One other thing I want to ask you guys about offensively before we switch to uh, the other two sides of the ball is in the second half, late in the third quarter, Ravens going for it on fourth and one on their own 29-yard line. And at the time, it looked like it's yet another moment in this scrapbook of the Ravens season where Lamar Jackson, you know, pushed the punt team off the field because he wanted to go for it. Maybe it wasn't quite uh, quite that you know romantic, but he ends up completing a 36-yard pass to Mark Andrews on that play. Looks good when it works, but I'm, I'm curious <laughs> as to your guys' thoughts on that play, especially given the circumstance of the game at the time. I would say quickly, because my only thought on it is that, like it or not, this is the Baltimore Ravens now. They're led by John Harbaugh <laughs> and a 25-year-old analytics guy up in the, up in the booth. And Lamar Jackson, who believes he can make every single play. And to this point, that average is pretty high. So I think you can complain about it. I think it was a weird spot to do it. Um, Field position, the score at that time. But 
this is what you're going to get now. And I think rather than really debate it or really criticize it, I'm, this sounds like I'm drinking the Kool-Aid and I promise (laughs) you I'm trying not to. It just sounds, it just seems like you're going to have to accept it. And yeah, it's going to spike my blood pressure more during games, which is definitely not good for my health, seeing as the state I'm in during most Ravens games anyway. But it, I think it's just something we're going to have to live with now moving forward until teams again find a way to stop it. Yeah, I um, I might have already consumed the Kool-Aid because at the time I was actually kind of – I was like, oh, yeah, it makes sense. Go for it. Extend the drive. But in hindsight, I was like, wow, that was weird. They were up 21. They're on the 30. <laughs> like, And especially I think uh, just the play that they went with. Because I was just assuming they'd, you know, they'd go like their suit, something like the play they scored on in Seattle, which seems unstoppable, which is just put everyone on the line and let Lamar find the hole to get like a yard. And I assume that's what they do. And instead, he just kind of rolls out and wings a 30 plus yard completion to Mark Andrews. I was like, well, that was a choice, but it obviously worked out. But uh, yeah, I I enjoyed it at the time. I'm not sure it's the smartest move uh, given that game situation, but you have to do things to win in the playoffs. So maybe that's what they're, you know, getting practice, getting reps and stuff. So I wouldn't be surprised if we see it again down the line here. It seems like the chiefs game was three years ago when they had all those two point conversions and everybody was yelling and running around with their heads cut off. Announcers didn't know what was happening. Twitter was blowing up because they kept going for two, but you're right, Tim. It's it's the season of analytics. He's yeah. going with it every time the numbers say so. To me, it was just strange because in the classic football sense, the only way you're going to let the Jets beat you is if you give them the ball at the 30-yard line and give them <laughs> short fields. But they went for it. They threw a 30-yard pass instead of a QB sneak, and it's just this is what this team is. They're rolling, and until they lose a game, I'm not going to... Not going to say anything negative about it. Yeah, exactly. And real quickly, because I know we we kind of have to focus on some of the the negatives of this game. I just want to say uh, James Hurst stepping in for Ronnie Stanley had a performance that I love out of my offensive line. Meaning, I didn't hear his name called. <laughs> I didn't hear. I didn't see the circle on the telestrator. I didn't see. Look where he got exposed. Uh, one of our big concerns, Stanley, a guy who. Playing at a Pro Bowl level, we'll get to that a little later in the program. Um, one of the best left tackles in the NFL right now, and that was a huge loss. I was incredibly concerned uh, when J- James Hurst, who doesn't have the best track record, was asked to step in, and he played He played very, very well and did not get exposed. So another shout-out to him uh, on that offensive side of the football. So, you, Tim, you talk about some of the less positive aspects of this yeah. game. Let's turn. I'm not going to special teams yet. It's not the time. I don't want to talk about it yet. Let's get into the defense I can't first. Talk so I can about it. I can ease my way into it. Look, the Jets, they didn't have a crazy day offensively. They scored two touchdowns. Uh, the Ravens got multiple turnovers in this game. They're in complete control. However, some dodgy tackling on more than one occasion, some receivers running open on more than one occasion, uh, and then a touchdown drive late in the game that was just way too soft. What are your guys' thoughts on on this defense as a whole in this game and and then moving forward? Watching a safety run parallel to a receiver without cutting down the angle might be one of the most infuriating plays in all of sports. And this is a guy who we talked about a little bit at the beginning of the year, not producing as much as Maybe the contract he signed um, 
you know, dictates has stepped up later in the year as the resurgence of this defense has become one of the main storylines. But Earl Thomas, what are you doing? Jamison Crowder's on like a drag route and he's running like to the to the 30, to the 25, to the 20, (laughs) to the 15. And Earl's like shadowing him. He's like trying to be a mime, like just replicating every single step he had. the strangest thing. Rather than cutting him off, I was like, he's trying to force him out of bounds, but yet also let him gain 45 yards before he does it. It made no sense whatsoever. (laughs) And that was just one of the the lowlights, I should say, of some of the issues this defense had. Uh, My big thing, you know where I'm going. I'm going up front. I don't like talking about those little guys in the secondary. I want to talk about the hosses (laughs) up front. They got absolutely no pressure on Sam Darnold. There was a couple plays. The forced fumble, obviously, was one of them. But after what we saw against some even better teams of them constantly being in the backfield, we talked about guys like Bowser, Giad Ward, Judon as well, um, Zach Daddy Ferguson. We didn't see it on Thursday night. Blame the short week. Blame whatever you want to. Um, That along with, again, the thing that we will have to talk about, Antonio, the special teams. Those are some things that will kill you in January if you're not able to get pressure. I don't care how old and frail he looks. You give Brady time, I'm nervous. And it, it, it's, it's as simple as that. And Darnold was, had plenty of time, was able to make some nice throws. And the secondary couldn't keep up because guess what? If you have too much time in the pocket, I don't care who's covering who. It's, it's going to be impossible to stay with a receiver. Yeah, and it's especially slightly concerning – given the Jets don't have an especially good offensive line, like, at all. Um, and you'll be facing much better units uh, in January, uh, which, lest we forget, the Ravens have clinched a spot in. Um, but, yeah, I was definitely concerned at times, uh, especially in the first half more so. Like, they're driving down, you know, they missed a field goal that uh, I believe Patrick Ricard got a hand on. Uh, to make it come up a little short. Um, And really, the Jets are driving to score when, you know, Sam Darnold, not really pressured, but he just strikes and throws it right to our good friend Chuck Clark. Um, But, uh, yeah, so uh, definite uh, concerns in the first half. I thought they kind of straightened things out after halftime, Uh, especially because immediately after the half, the Ravens offense didn't exactly – get off to the fastest start. I believe they went three and out on their first two second half possessions. But um, so minor concern, but again, short week. We'll see what they do with 10 days rest against a theoretically better Cleveland offense, but we'll get to them later. (laughs) The only excuse I want to make for the defense is that it's one of those games where your offense was constantly, or your team, I should say, was constantly up by multiple scores. And it's it's tough mentally. I think it's this is an excuse, but it's tough to stay focused against a team when you sort of have a comfortable lead the entire time. There were really like two drives uh, that the Jets put together where the Ravens were on their heels, you know, the the entirety of those drives. All in all, a a fine, an average performance. They they have two more sort of tune up games against tough division rivals. and, And let's see how they how they tighten things up, you know, with now 10 days to prepare and then, uh, and then the Week 17 game before the playoffs. So, yeah, all right. So let's move to the last phase of uh, the Ravens game this week, which was the special teams, which was a disaster. Uh, <laughs> it gets highlighted by the announcers. John Harbour has been the head coach of this team for a decade, and yet they always, I feel like once a game, the announcers bring up, 
Did you know that John Harbaugh was a special teams coach? Big special teams guy. Yeah, it's mind-blowing. His special teams did not show up for this game in every way, shape, and form. So I'm, I'm going to toss to you guys because I, I could you know keep going here. But pick, pick a unit, pick a play, uh, and what needs to get improved, and can yeah. it get improved in the next game or two? I think it can. Uh, but it was bad top to bottom. They gave up 227 yards worth of returns, uh, which is a lot of yards and put the Jets in some good position. We talk about the defense maybe being on their heels while they were giving up, just given 30 yards by the special teams every time uh, for reasons I don't know. Tim, you were at the stadium. Was it especially windy? Is there a reason they don't just kick it through the end of the end zone? We know Justin Tucker can. No, uh, actually, in fact, it was like bone chilling cold, but we were all very happy that it wasn't windy because, we, I, you know, I had layers and layers on. And I was like, you know what? This is actually pretty fine. And we, yeah. we went we went and actually tailgated indoors at a bar in Baltimore. We everybody had to take their layers off and we got kind of hot. We went out back <laughs> outside We're like, oh, you know what? This isn't really that bad. Why are you kicking it through the end zone? <laughs> it makes Does no Harbaugh sense. Does Harbaugh have something to prove that, oh, yeah, my guys can tackle? All season, we've seen that this has been a problem, and yet every single time, it's Tucker high up in the air, down to the 5, or down to the 7, and then it gets returned to the 30. Put him on the 25. <laughs> Your defense has been consistent enough all year that the 25 is a decent decent field <laughs> position, and on the kick returns, they averaged, it was 25.6 yards per carry. You're getting it at the 10 or whatever it is. That's a 35. That's simple math. (laughs) That is way too short a field every single time for a Jets offense. And this is the problem. I talked about it with the pass rush. But for a team that's so well-disciplined, for a team that, if you didn't know it, the head coach used to be a special teams guy. Ah. Yeah, right? (laughs) Breaking news. These are the simple little mistakes that cannot happen in the playoffs. It demoralizes the fans, especially if you're going to be playing some home games. It really just has a, a bad mood around everything. And it gives your your defense, who is not elite, they've been better, they've been good, but they're not particularly an elite defense like we've seen here in the purple and black. It gives them a short field every single time, and you can't ask them to cause a turnover or get a three and out every single time. And then guess what? Even if you do, if they get maybe a first down or two, and then they punt it, we're deep. Lamar and the offense is deep on the two-yard line. Field position matters especially matters in the cold. It especially matters in the playoffs. And it's inexcusable, the lack of coverage on both the kicking and punting teams. And then Justin Tucker misses an extra point. I mean, <laughs> like you, that's when you know it's bad. You hope, you honestly hope, and maybe it was a short week thing, but you got to hope that it's one of those things that Harbaugh looks at and he goes, all right, I have something I can point to that I got to get these boys fired up about because that cannot continue for the rest of the regular and postseason. So yeah, it's interesting it's really, uh, to note, you've each done a, a piece here, and we still haven't even covered the biggest <laughs> issues yet. The Jets also blocked a punt, returned for a touchdown. That was yeah. one of their three scores. Uh, the Ravens absolutely had a punt touch one of their players, and oh, for <laughs> should sure. have been recovered that by the Jets. wild that never got. I don't know how that happened. That was a turnover. I and in that scenario, the Jets would have had the ball on the Ravens' five-yard line. It is, it, every single aspect of special teams 
was a disaster. Jason, sorry I cut you off there if you had one more thing. No, to, I was just going to, yeah, I was like, Tim had mentioned, I was like, notable considering somehow coverage, yeah, was not the worst probably thing that happened. Uh, and then even later in the game, in the fourth quarter, the game's well out of hand at this point, but they just commit a delay of game and then a false start on a punt. In the delay of game, Morgan Cox and Sam Cook. They're called the Wolfpack. They're two of the longest tenured members of this team. How do you not get the snap off? I don't understand it. It wasn't they were in their own territory. It wasn't like they were playing. uh, Oh, well, we're on the other side of the field. So let's just take a five yard penalty. Back us up. They just straight up just didn't snap the ball in time. It was very confusing. So, yeah, top to bottom, just an abomination of special teams. But like Tim said, you hope maybe short week, you know, they play Sunday, then they have to play Thursday. So you hope they just didn't practice special teams this week and that was part of the the, uh, the problem. But, yeah, it was, it was ghastly. You're rarely going to have a perfect game in the NFL. All this being said, the Ravens, Covered a gigantic spread, <laughs> won by three touchdowns, scored 42 points. They've won 10 games in a row. We're going to move off this game because we're, we're like a week and a half uh, late. No, I shouldn't say a week and a half, but the game seems like it was three years ago. So, <laughs> you know, fix the special teams and we'll see you guys on, on Sunday against, uh, against the Browns. But so let's move on now to the AFC North, where a couple of interesting things happened that we want to get into. Number one, Steelers lose at home to the Buffalo Bills. The Steelers uh, now really just fighting with the Titans for that last playoff spot, struggling to score. Uh, we've talked about this a little bit. Uh, Duck Hodges just really, I don't know if he's ever going to put 20 points up. Uh, <laughs> and their defense actually gave up 17 points this game, and that's all it took. So any thoughts on you guys from the Steelers? Yeah, so they went with Duck Hodges over Mason Rudolph because they said that Duck wasn't going to kill him. And then he threw four interceptions yesterday uh, on a Sunday night. So, um, you know, Juju Smith-Schuster's been banged up. They just got James Conner back. So they're dealing with these QBs who are frankly not great and then also don't have the weapons. I agree with you. I just don't know if they're going to be able to put up points come the playoffs, um, if they make it even. But, yeah, brutal game for Duck Hodges, cult hero, but uh, real crash back down to earth uh, Sunday night. Yeah, not too much to add there. Um, The Buffalo Bills circled the wagons and won a big (laughs) game in prime time, setting up a huge game against New England this weekend, which is something that we'll have our eyes on, especially uh, in terms of the seeding. I I just credit to you, Antonio, because we've talked about this over and over again, and and Jason and I are still scarred from years and years (laughs) of demoralizing losses to the Pittsburgh Steelers. And you keep saying they can't get it done with that quarterback. They can't get it done with that quarterback. And he faced a good defense, and he couldn't get it done. Um, Another shout out to a guy that we saw against the Bills a couple of weeks ago, and then who kind of balled out from the linebacker position. And I always want to highlight those guys. Tremaine Edmonds is really good. Number 49, the linebacker for the Buffalo Bills. Just very good, very fun to watch if you like if you like defensive football. Um, and credit to the Bills, man. That they It's the running joke that it always seems like it's the biggest game in Bills history when they're good. They've now made the playoffs <laughs> twice in the last three years, something that we didn't see a lot of the time. Um, you know, even a couple years ago, back when we were doing the old version of this show back in college. So credit to them. I would, I'm not looking forward to potentially seeing them in the playoffs, to put it that way. Yes, they're legit. And the first 10 win season by the Bills in 20 years. So shout out to them uh, to hit the double digit win mark for the first time in a long time. 
with this Steelers loss to the Bills, they're actually gonna they're gonna have some trouble getting to the playoffs. They finish with the Jets and Ravens. Uh, they're currently tied with the Titans with the same record, and there's this weird sort of conference record tiebreaker between those two teams. If Pittsburgh beats the Jets and then loses to the Ravens, which I think we would all assume is, uh, is going to be the likely outcome, and the Titans lose to the Saints this week and then beat the Texans Week 17, the Titans will go to the playoffs. So the Steelers, in a way, are on the outside looking in. Now, a lot of this can change. None of these games are guaranteed, but Pittsburgh likely needs to win out at this point, yeah. and uh, that's going to set up a tough game in Week 17 that I think is basically going to be if the Ravens if that game is irrelevant to the Ravens, that's where the Steelers are going to end up getting into the playoffs if the Ravens sit a bunch of guys in Week 17, but we will see. So you're telling me Pittsburgh is going to be rooting for Cleveland, which is not something that we often see. <laughs> uh, well, no, oh, I guess they no, won't Pittsburgh be. Pittsburgh no. will be rooting for the Ravens, no, which maybe even less often. Yeah, I guess that's true. <laughs> yep, 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 uh, they're going to want the Ravens to be playing RG3 for an entire game, exactly. not just the fourth quarter, which has been a thing that happens quite often. Looking elsewhere in the AFC North, not going to talk about the Browns yet because we're going to save that for the preview section, but very quickly, very, very quickly, Tim, Cincinnati Bengals, yes, they lost, they played the Patriots, they ended up getting blown out, but the Patriots, only up 13-10 to 10 at halftime of that game. Jace, Tim, did we learn anything more about the Patriots and their inability to just get long, sustained drives and put points up and beat a team that had won one game all season? <laughs> Yeah, the offense, I think, is a big problem for them. Tom Brady was 15 for 29 against the Bengals. That's not great. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, I'd, they were able to run, but everyone can run on the Bengals, so I don't know if, like, that – we learned much there. I, you don't want to write Tom Brady off, but you do have to at some point realize it, time comes for everyone, and he's 42 – uh, I don't want to say this is the end because he can very well win the Super Bowl this year, but uh, their offense has major problems, and I don't know if they have enough time or the resources uh, to get it fixed. I'm sure I will change my tune, especially <laughs> if we have to face the New England Patriots in the postseason, but I'm almost ready to write him off. I'm almost ready to be done with the tyranny and the villainy that is Bill Belichick and Tom Brady, who had to cheat to beat the Bengals, by the way. That story's not going to go away. We're not going well, to focus on it too much here, but the video was released, um, and you can hear the audio of the guy who was taping the Bengals' sideline for a do-your-job documentary, which is hilarious to me. And it's it's not good. It's not a good look for the Pats. Doesn't now, every seem single, great. <laughs> every single Pats fan will write me off and say, ah, whatever. The, it's the NFL versus us, even though we've won six Super Bowls and everybody <laughs> loves to talk about us all the time. That is, that's relatively serious. I don't want to get into it. I don't really care. They can steal Lamar's single signals all they want. They're not going to be able to stop him in the playoffs. I'm fully confident of that. And Brady's old. And Brady's old. And you know what, you know what happens when you have an old quarterback who doesn't have weapons? He looks like a 42-year-old quarterback. They didn't give him nearly enough weapons. You could tell You could tell Belichick just wanted to spend on the defense. They're very, very good. But that offense can't get the, it, It's It's a little better version of the Steelers. It really is. And that's Duck Hodges. <laughs> and when I'm talking about Tom Brady, but it's almost the same thing where the defense is going to constantly have to get it done for them because they can't rely on their offense. 
I wonder, I mean, the Patriots are embarrassed by this whole that videotape scandal. They're annoyed by it, that it's going to become, that it keeps becoming this bigger and bigger thing. But I think they're probably most upset that it was the Bengals. And everybody yeah. knows now that they were concerned about the Bengals and a team that had won one game. That's, I think, the most uh, <laughs> embarrassing aspect of this for them personally. But let's turn to some other NFL news and notes as, as we pivot here from the Patriots and, and the Bengals game. Some bizarre finishes uh, this week in the NFL. <laughs> I'm going to run through them quickly, and then I'll, I'll turn to you guys for your NFL news and notes. But 49ers hosted the Falcons. The Falcons, they've been one of the weirdest teams in the NFL this season. They started the year like 2-7, and seven, something like that, and all of a sudden they're dropping 40 points on teams. Beat the 49ers <laughs> on the road in a game where they were back-to-back uh, touchdown reviews as that game was finishing out, and the Falcons got one of them, and, and they ended up beating the 49ers in a game that nobody really saw coming. The Bears played the Packers, and the Bears fighting for their playoff lives. Basically, uh, they were down by eight with a few seconds left and did the whole, we need 50 yards, so let's throw it 20 and then do the lateral game. Should have scored. <laughs> on that lateral play. They pitched it back and forth three or four times. At a certain point, Tim, I know you're the rugby guy of the three of us. I don't yeah. know if you saw that last play. At a certain point, they had the staggered row of people to pitch it to and were one pitch short, a wide open pitch, to one of their speed guys who would have scored on the last play of the game and they would have needed a two-pointer to tie that game. That outside center's got to get it to the winger, man. Outside center has to get it to the winger, <laughs> pitch the guy inside and toss the ball. That's an easy try. For that winger, but obviously it just didn't happen. Finally, the last one that I have of, of crazy finishes, the Eagles against the Redskins. <laughs> wow, the Eagles taking way too long to put the Redskins away. Uh, scored in the last minute when they were down three. They scored a touchdown to take uh, a lead. And then also had the whole, like, uh, you know, fumble. The Redskins then fumbled on the last play of the game, and the Eagles took it in for a touchdown to save a lot of people's gambling because that made the Eagles cover. Uh, or crush a lot of people's souls. Very strange week in the NFL. Um, that Falcons game was insane. I have you seen an angle that you could definitively say the first Austin Hooper touchdown was not a touchdown? Because every time I watched, I thought he like we were watching it here at the office yesterday. Every t- angle we saw, we were like, it seems like his foot's under that ball, and they just were like, nah, conclusive evidence, no touchdown. And then Julio scores, and I thought he was short. I thought it was a classic Calvin Johnson situation, but uh, he actually got in the end zone. And then, yeah, I that game was stunning. I mean, I guess in hindsight, it's kind of a classic trap game. The Niners just beat the Saints, and then their last two games are against the Rams and the uh, the Seahawks, uh, which will be winner-take-all, basically, for the, uh, the NFC West. But... Um, I was very confused by that game. I didn't watch most of the game, just the very end, and was just like, watched like the final five, ten minutes, and I was like, why is this game close? <laughs> like, <laughs> one of those games, you're like confused why it is where it is. Um, the Bears was kind of just funny, because that's kind of the definition of the Bears this season is uh, not quite, uh, you know, coming up just short. Um, and then the Redskins, uh, you know, had an advanced tank move by them, give up a five minute drive to end the game and then <laughs> not even sniff a game winning touchdown. <laughs> I've got some different some different NFL thoughts. This that I want to run through. Um, the Cowboys showed up. That was weird. 
They're seven and seven now. The Rams <laughs> continue to get blown out by multiple teams. It doesn't make any sense. Forty-four to twenty-one, um, and Zeke Elliott and Tony Pollard both went for a hundred yards. Tony Pollard actually had one hundred and thirty-one yards on the ground. Cowboys and Eagles both seven and seven, both not very good, kind of good, but going to get a home playoff game in the NFC. Uh, very interesting. There, a couple more gigantic <laughs> game between those two teams this Sunday. Oh, huge! Basically, between basically, who's, who's going to take that stinky NFC East crown? Pretty much. <laughs> um, Philip Rivers and the Chargers had seven turnovers. That's all we got to say there. That's funny. Uh, Gardner Minshew mania is back and ended the black hole. They are no longer playing games in Oakland, California. Sad to see, um, but Gardner Minshew and the Jags squeak out a win there in a game that meant nothing. Pretty sad for the Raiders fans there. Eli Manning is back to 500 at 117 and 117 with a big (laughs) win over the Dolphins. I really hope they put him in the last two games, and boy, I hope he wins one, and then he loses the last one. 118 and 118. And the last one I want to talk about just a little bit because I think they might be the most concerning team in the AFC is the Chiefs. Whooped up on the Broncos, who are no good. The Chiefs, now winners of their last four, and the last six out of their... Um, six of eight they've won now as well, after a little bit of a rough patch between uh, with two straight losses to the Colts and Texans. I'd say it, We're not going to do it here, but if there's one team I wouldn't want to see in the AFC playoffs, so I had to pick one right now, it's Patty Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, they concern me, and we should say um, a former Raven, a Raven, a frankly Ravens legend, was claimed by them today. Terrell Suggs was claimed by the Kansas City Chiefs. He was waived by the um, the Cardinals. Now Schefter had a report where uh, Suggs had claimed he wouldn't play for any other team that wasn't the Ravens I if he gets you, claimed. I love you. Um, so it remains to be seen if he shows up to Kansas City. Uh, he might just because that's also, like you said, Tim, a, a pretty good situation, I think. They need pass rushers, so he's going to play. Um, so we'll see if Sugg shows up. Uh, who knows? He could be on the Ravens this time. We talk to you next week. <laughs> um, uh, but, uh, yeah, so I'm terrified of the Chiefs and just, yeah, what needed to get the Suggs news out there. Yeah, just real quickly on that, too. Uh, as we record, 4 o'clock on Monday was when teams could submit. And if you don't know what that is, they can submit a claim for them, and whoever has the worst record out of the teams that submit the claim get the player who has been released by his former team. Four teams put in a claim for Terrell Suggs. The Baltimore Ravens weren't one of those teams. Now, they have the best record in the NFL. They probably knew they didn't have to because if it got to them, he wanted to go there anyway, and maybe they could make something work. But New Orleans, San Francisco, Seattle, and Kansas City all put in claims for Terrell Suggs. You know what that tells you? One, that tells you that all those teams are really good and want to add a premium pass rusher, but it tells me that none of those teams wanted Terrell Suggs on the Baltimore Ravens. They did yeah. not want another weapon on that defensive front that is that has stepped up uh, at points this year. So I think that's pretty interesting. I think you're absolutely right, Tim. I mean, this is a league where teams will sign players to try to get the playbook like four <laughs> days before they play that team. So I absolutely believe that this is more of all those teams not wanting him on the Ravens than him suddenly getting a lot of play, playing time on those two, on those four teams. The Chiefs did get him. I, I don't want to play the Chiefs. I'm terrified of them. I don't care if it's at home or on the road. The one thing I like is that the way that the AFC is shaping up, it looks like the 
you know, we won't have to play the Chiefs until the AFC Championship game if it gets to that. Uh, at the moment, just to recap, at the Ravens, one. Then it's Patriots, Chiefs, Texans, Bills, and Steelers currently with the two wild card spots. Really, it's going to be between Steelers and Titans for that last spot. So you, you see the playoffs taking shape. Chiefs probably going to win that, you know, against whatever wild card team that ends up being. Texans, Bills. The Ravens would face the winner of Houston Texans, Buffalo Bills. I think we would be extremely comfortable with that scenario. We beat both of those teams. Um, we would be playing them at home. And let the Chiefs and Pats uh, play each other oh. and sort of figure that thing out. I would not be shocked if the Chiefs are unable to beat the Pats twice on the road. Bring in New England. At this point, I would love to see New England at home as opposed to the Kansas City Chiefs. So we will have to wait and see. Obviously, a lot of that can change. But a lot of the stuff sort of repeats itself year in, year out. So Patriots will probably see you late in the postseason. <laughs> uh, what, we have one more note that we want to talk about the, the Pro Bowl. Tonight. Yeah, yeah. The Pro- a lot of people that won't be at the Pro Bowl. Is that what you wanted to talk about? I, I hope so, because <laughs> it means that the Ravens will be playing in Miami uh, for a trophy that matters, not the Pro Bowl. If they, I don't even know if they give out a trophy, to be honest. Who I think cares? someone gets a car if you win MVP. Yeah, someone gets a car. <laughs> I think it should just be noted, though. The Baltimore Ravens um, had the fan voting has been finalized. If you're listening to this on Tuesday, if you're listening to it during the day, it's gonna the official rosters will be announced at eight o'clock on Tuesday evening. So if you're listening to it after that, you'll already know this. Uh, but fan voting came in, which accounts for one third of the Pro Bowling votes. Lamar Jackson finished with seven hundred and four thousand six hundred and ninety nine votes. The second, the second person behind him was Russell Wilson, five hundred and thirty nine thousand six hundred seventy eight votes, over a hundred thousand votes more. The Baltimore Ravens also led the NFL in uh, led all NFL teams in total Pro Bowl votes, and seven players finished as leading vote getters for their rep, uh, respective AFC positions. Obviously, Jackson. Uh, tight end Mark Andrews, offensive tackle Orlando Brown Jr. over Ronnie Stanley because they just do a tackle position, not left and right. I thought that was interesting. Marshall Yonda, of course. Marcus Peters, of course, because he gets all the pick sixes. Justin Tucker. And most importantly, for his fullback play, not his defensive tackle play, Patty Ricard. Uh, so congrats to all those guys. We'll see how that translates in terms of the Pro Bowl voting. Again, Pro Bowl, not something admittedly I particularly care about. Probably won't even watch it. Maybe if a bunch of Ravens are in it, we'll get together and mourn that over a couple strong (laughs) cocktails and watch the final game involving Ravens players uh, this season. But I think pretty interesting and and well-deserved for a lot of those guys after uh, the remarkable season so far. Well, and we've talked in the past about how the Ravens don't necessarily have, you know, the biggest local fan base, but it definitely seems like in the Lamar Jackson era, they're gaining like more and more just kind of national attention, uh, and I think it's great. It's, it's it's exciting to have people like like your team, which obviously for various reasons has not always been the case for Ravens teams in the past. Um, allegedly. So, <laughs> allegedly. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so um, it's 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 cool. It's a fun era, obviously, of Ravens football we're in now. I, I think it's great for the NFL because there's going to be so many spots for Pro Bowl alternates this year when – the Ravens, all, all those guys aren't playing in the game because they're too busy with another thing that they have on their schedule. So it's going to be great. You know, spread the votes out, get those Pro Bowl alternates in the game, uh, and, you know, and they, they can have fun. They can have fun, too. 
And now I'm going to knock on this very large wooden table that you have here yeah. at, at your nice That's why apartment. it's here. It's usually just for superstition. It's very important for superstition breaking. Uh, all right, so let's move. Unless any other notes, guys, about the NFL before we move on here? Okay, so we're going to go to our uh, one of our favorite segments. And that's what's bothering Jace. Uh, Jace, you're going really uh, just off the beaten path here with what's bothering you. But please uh, let us let us know. Yeah, I, I've been wanting to talk about this guy um, for a few weeks now, but he hasn't come up, which is kind of understandable. But it's a player um, I'm bothered. We're not going to see him in the postseason, and I think that's a shame because it's Jameis Winston. I think he's the most fascinating player in the NFL. He has a realistic chance to lead uh, the league in literally every one of these categories. Uh, he could lead. He will lead in yards, completions, attempts, He's only three back of Lamar, so he could lead in touchdowns, sacks taken, and also interceptions. He could be – he's top three in all those categories right now. Um, and if you had to guess, what do you think the Bucks record is if you guys haven't looked? Do you all know? I looked and was shocked by how good it was, to be honest. <laughs> I was very prepared to give him the whole, like, four and nine kind of thing, but it's not that. Yeah, there's is seven it? and seven. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Which is like way better than I saw it last night and had to do a double take. I was like, that can't be right. But he's fascinating. I just can never remember a quarterback leading the league in all those categories. He's got 4,573 yards, 30 touchdowns, 24 interceptions, and he's been sacked like 45 times. Uh, he became the first player in NFL history to have 450, tu- or 450 yards and four touchdowns in back-to-back weeks, which he did the past two weeks. Uh did he throw four interceptions between those two games? Also, yes. Um, and three of them to former Ravens bus Brashad Perryman yesterday. Uh, pulled down three touchdowns um, from famous Jameis. But I don't know. He just – I can never remember a guy being, like, that mistake-prone but yet also good. It's like a real chicken-and-egg scenario with, like, why he has so many yards and touchdowns. It's like he throws constantly, but it's like is it because, like – his turnover proclivity gets him in trouble, so then they have to pass their way out of it. And then it's like, or is are they just always behind, so he's passing more, and that's why he throws interceptions? He's fascinating. And, you know, I don't think the Bucks are a great team, but it, it would be exciting to have a player like that in the playoffs instead of, like, Kirk Cousins, <laughs> which just seems like we're going to have. Um, so that's what's bothering me this week. Not a big one, but I've just been wanting to talk about Jameis because I find him so interesting, and I wish, like... I don't know. I just wish he had more of a national platform or we got to see him chucking four TDs and three picks like he did last week in a Sunday night football game. I laugh every time. He's one of the funnier players out there. Just some of the interceptions are so bad, but he makes up for it, too. So I don't know. He's interesting. And I imagine, though, he's a free agent to be, which is interesting because he's definitely better than a lot of guys in the league, but he just turns, puts the ball on the ground, throws it to right to the other team so much. He's very interesting. And that's what's bothering me this week is we're, we're only two more games of the Jameis experience this season. Yeah. They're interesting. They're kind of in purgatory because they almost have to sign him, even though (laughs) he debilitates the team and two other things I heard, and I don't have the official stats, but he has, an incredible rate of throwing an interception before like one thirty East. So like the first 30 minutes of the game, he's already slinging picks and he throws an inordinate amount to linebackers. 
because yeah. you just can't see them. The corners <laughs> are fine. Corners, safeties, I got those guys down, but I want to throw it across the middle and forget that there's a large man sitting there in coverage. Two, two of his three to the Colts last week were right at Darius Leonard, yep. and Leonard took one of those for a pick six. I believe he's one pick six away from also tying the NFL record for pick sixes thrown in a season. So it's just a lot going on with him at all times. And uh, he, in many ways, I think the perfect quarterback for the Buccaneers, you know, not someone who's going to be like winning Super Bowls, but someone who makes you interested in the Bucks because they're otherwise a mostly anonymous franchise. So with all those numbers, it just that's why they're seven and seven. He, he scores a lot of points, throws for a lot of yards, gives the ball up a lot. You win half those games, you lose the other half. So we're very prepared for the Buccaneers to go eight and eight this season, tread water and then pay him way too much money. <laughs> All right, well, let's move now to Random Ravens. It's my turn this week. We have two guys in studio to guess. So this is a, this is a pretty random guy. Uh, oh I don't, I'm not going to offer up a ton of information because he's a pretty recent Random Raven. So I, I think you guys are going to get this one, but let's, let's run through the clues now. This guy played for three seasons with the Ravens, 2014, 2015, and 2016. He signed as one of those Ravens perfect, uh, excuse me, undrafted free agents, which they seem to do one every year. He wore number 54. In 2016, he started 15 games for the Ravens and was number one in, and now this is pro football reference does AV, does approximate value as a score for all the players in the NFL offense, defense. He was number one on the Ravens in approximate value in 2016 with 130 tackles and three interceptions. In that season, he was second team all pro. And this player retired in that same offseason after 2016 and immediately became a member of the Ravens coaching staff. That's my random raven for the week. Jace has oh, got Jace has uh, got a small uh, grin over there. Point nine percent sure I know it. Yes. I saw the name, did like a triple take because I had completely forgotten about him, even though it was only a few seasons ago. Twenty sixteen, the year where uh, I guess the first year where the Ravens were sort of middling all season, trying to get a playoff spot, uh, and were eliminated late in the season with back to back losses against the Steelers and Bengals. Uh, back in the old days of crushing defeats and not many points. But we're past that now. So that is my random Raven. I'll let you two uh, think about that. Uh, That's and a we'll good move. one. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Yeah, and we'll, uh, we'll move. For some reason, I seem to only be able to pick the guys who played like two or three seasons on the, on the team and, and no more than that. Um, but we'll move on from that, and we'll answer it at the end of the show. So let's go to this Browns preview. The Ravens traveling to Cleveland to play the Browns for the second time. For all of you that remember this, it was so long ago, so you may not remember. The Ravens' last loss to the Cleveland Browns at home in a game where they gave up 40 points, lost by 15. They were 2-2, two and two, and we didn't know what this Ravens team was going to be. Different scenario now, Jace. <laughs> uh, different teams. Both of them have gone in opposite directions. The Browns eliminated from the playoffs, I think, officially at this point. Uh, they have, I read, a 0.8% chance. They basically have to have every team ahead of them lose out, and they have to win out, and everyone needs to finish. The Titans and Steelers basically need to finish 8-8. Eight eight. 
So it's very unlikely. So I wrote in my notes here three times as the only thing the Ravens need to do to win this game. And I'm not sure they're going to be able to do it effectively. And I wrote it three times. Can we stop Nick Chubb? Can we stop Nick Chubb? Can we stop Nick Chubb? I toss to you guys. Can we? I'll I'll tell you why we can, because Freddie Kitchens won't use him. (laughs) That's why. Freddie Kitchens, for whatever reason, Nick Chubb is their best offensive player. Yes. He's better than Baker. He's better than Jarvis Landry, who, by the way, went 8 for 167 on us the last time out. He's better than Odell Come Get Me Beckham Jr. He is their best player, and because of that, Freddie Kitchens refuses to use him because Freddie <laughs> Kitchens does not know how to coach an NFL offense nor team. If they use him effectively, if they give him the ball plenty of times, no, I don't know if the Ravens can stop him. I think it's concerning, but on that case, and it's it's going to sound like a broken record, the way you stop Nick Chubb is you get out to an early lead. You control the ball. Last time, Lamar threw two interceptions. Uh, Mark Ingram also had that fumble. Lamar also had a fumble. He didn't lose that one. So three total turnovers by two of your most important offensive guys. That cannot happen here. You cannot beat yourselves against a team that all they want to do is beat themselves. Play your game, run the ball effectively, and Nick Chubb can't be a factor because they won't be able to waste that amount of clock. Yeah, uh, I'm a hundred. We're all a hundred percent line. Uh, the only thing I wrote as concerns was Nick Chubb on my notes here. <laughs> um, he's the NFL's leading rusher right now, despite them probably not using him as much as they should. Uh, he's averaging a hundred yards a game. He obviously torched the Ravens in the first meeting. Um, and we talked about a little bit of concerns, um, recently with the run game for what it's worth i didn't think he was great but Le'Veon bell did have a season high for rushing yards in that game uh but uh before that devin singletary had 17 for 89 5.2 yard average before him raheem mostert went uh for 146 on a 7.7 yard average so i'm definitely concerned but i agree with tim i think that the Ravens are a different team than when they played them the first time. The defense is better than when they played the Browns the first meeting. Um, I think this Browns team has quit, and Kareem Hunt, a recent addition who did not um, even play in the first meeting, literally said players on the Browns quit during the game against the Cardinals, which we should say the Browns are coming off a just horrendous loss against the Arizona Cardinals, who are, once again, not a great team. Um I, I think that they've quit. I, technically, their playoff hopes are still alive, but it's so unrealistic. They're the only franchise that will go this entire decade without a winning season. Good. So they got so they got that going for them. Uh, I think they've quit. I think they know Freddie Kitchens is probably getting fired again. Another one and done coach. You think? I'd be stunned if they brought him back, but. I'm very concerned about Nick Chubb, but I think even with Landry torching them, I think some of the changes they've made since that game, you know, we've talked about Chuck Clark getting involved in the defensive side. They've obviously have added Marcus Peters since that game. Um, I think they've made enough positive change in the secondary that they'll limit Jarvis Landry uh, to the degree he um, torched them. And I think more importantly, I think the Ravens are mad about how, the last game went. I think um, they want to send a message. They haven't sewn up the number one seed, so that's some, they still have something to play for. Um, 
And I think uh, they're going to go in there looking for revenge. And I, I personally think they might hammer this team. I hope. <laughs> so it's an interesting. I, oh, sorry. Yeah, I, I just think it, I think they're they're focused, and I think the Browns aren't, and I think that's going to kind of come, maybe a cliche way, but I think that's what it might, it might come down to. So one note that I didn't even realize from the first meeting between these two teams, the Ravens never led. The Cleveland Browns took a 7 nothing lead in the first quarter, and it was basically the entire game was the Ravens trying to match them and tie the game and tie the game, and, and eventually uh, the, you know, the Ravens' turnovers were too much, and the, and the Browns took a two-touchdown lead in, in the fourth quarter of that game, and it was pretty much over. The difference, the biggest issue from that game when we got to our uh, our podcast the, the following Monday was the Ravens can't tackle anybody. They can't tackle wide receivers who are shifty. They can't tackle big, powerful running backs. But from then, that's when the Ravens made all those changes defensively and got rid of linebackers who we were excited to, you know, young guys who we thought were going to take on these big starting roles some of them got traded, some of them got pushed to the bench, and they made moves to get more solid tacklers. And I think that is going to be enough in this game, where the only way the Browns would beat us is if they replicated exactly what happened in that other game, where they were breaking tackles constantly and just getting these chunk plays. I think the Ravens are going to cut enough of those out. They're going to contain Chubb. He's not going to have a quiet, he's not going to have a, you know, 13 rushes and 40 yards kind of day. He'll get his, he'll get some yards. Uh, Tim is exactly right. Kitchens is going to be perfect in terms of keeping him under 20 carries. Uh, and that'll be enough. And the Ravens offense is just so much more explosive. And I just don't think the Browns are going to keep up with the score. If the Ravens score first, Jace, I think you're right that it might get a little out of hand, but, uh, I, I'm not quite as sold on that. Uh, I think it's going to be a little tighter just cause it's on the road. Yeah. I don't have too much to add. You guys have kind of nailed it all. Um, Guys that didn't make a tackle nor were not on the team at this time, the last time these two teams faced off, include one Marcus Peters, one LJ Fort, and one Josh Bynes, who are three of the biggest pieces in this defense. Now, um, a, a guy like Jalen Ferguson doesn't show up on the stat sheet because he didn't play that much. Now a guy who plays a key role in the pass rush. Their offensive line isn't that good, and even so, Freddie Kitchens still loves seven-step drops and deep balls. <laughs> That's plenty of time for those guys to get after him, show him that the Jets game was a fluke on a short week, and get after Baker Mayfield, force him into bad throws because he's not that good, and um, control the game that way. And the offense, too, uh, Mark Ingram only carried the ball 12 times. Lamar Jackson carried it nine times. Total team, they did rush for 173 yards, but, I mean – we should be getting in the 200s, which is sounds insane, but is something that, again, to take it back to the beginning of this podcast, seems normal at this point. And, Jace, you're right. The Ravens are pissed off. There's, they've been so good for so long, and people have said the Cleveland game is a fluke. I don't think Harbaugh's going to play it that way. He's going to say, you guys got embarrassed. Prove to me that it's not just you, you step up and you whip the Jets at home. You beat the Patriots in a big game. You beat the Bills in a big game. You beat the Texans in a big game. You beat L.A. in prime time. Well, now here's Cleveland. And you know what they're going to love to say? We got two wins off this incredible Ravens team. We got two wins off this incredible Ravens team. They're not going to want that. And Harbaugh is a good, good enough of a leader, and he's got guys behind him like Lamar Jackson, who's got an incredible head on his shoulders, and Mark Ingram. And all these guys know that they don't want that blemish again. They want to embarrass the embarrassment of the NFL <laughs> in the Cleveland Browns. 
And I don't know. You know what? I think they will. And just real quickly on my pick, I'm going to flip it from what I had in the dock. Ravens minus 10. Give it to me. Give it to me. Because I don't believe in Freddie Kitchens. I don't believe in Baker Mayfield. And I believe in John Harbaugh, Lamar Jackson, and the Baltimore Ravens. And I think they're going to go in there and kick the crap out of Cleveland. So minus 10. Minus 10 for me, too. I I think... I think they're because I think they want to rest probably that week 17 too, and you know seal everything up, tie the team uh, team franchise win record for a single season, be uh, not ensure you don't get swept by any of your rivals, and I think they come out and take care of business. They were yeah flat out embarrassed, and I think they're going to respond. The Browns are currently six and eight. I think if you talk about Freddie Kitchens, Tim, I think if the Browns beat the Ravens twice in this season, that may be, and they go eight and eight. I think he keeps his job. I think honest. that's I think that's absurd. And I think but he maybe. puts that on the resume and says, "Look, this is the team we need to beat for the next five years." And I did it twice this year, and we won X more games than we you know than we have in the past, and we're close and we're right around the corner. I think they hang on to him if they win this game. I'm not saying that's going to happen, but. That's what I think the Browns, that's what I think they're playing for, basically. Like you said, they want to beat the Ravens twice. They want to beat this great team twice. Uh, and they'll be a little motivated to do that. This will, You know, you always talk about, oh, this is their Super Bowl. This is what <laughs> it's going to be for them. Um, one other note that I want to bring up about this game is that it's, we, I talked about this a little bit last week, so I'm going to repeat it here now. I'm very excited to watch the Ravens offense play a team twice this year. I want this test of the RPO, Lamar Jackson, uh, you know, can't be stopped. I want to see a team play them a second time, and I want to see the Ravens handle the defense. Uh, I will be a lot more nervous than I am now for the playoffs if that offense is sort of stifled from a defense that's now used to the speed, you know, has seen it before, can key on whatever, can key on Lamar, can key on Ingram or something, and gets better as the game, you know, goes along. I want to see them score early. I want to see them take a lead and just get the 200 yards rushing as, as they've averaged for the season um, and take control of this game. I am not as, and I have been riding the Ravens line for the last few months. I think they're now seven of their last eight. I think last week I said they were six of their last seven in terms of covering the spread. This is double digits on the road to a division rival who we have struggled with, even last dating back to last season with Lamar versus Baker Mayfield. Uh, the home game that we needed to win to go to the playoffs was a much closer game than it ever should have been, and that was at home. Then they beat us by two scores. I do not think the Ravens cover the spread. Um, I think the Ravens win. I think it looks more in like the six to seven. I think we sweat a little bit more than we want to and come back next week and say, great, they have the number one seed. Now let's take three weeks, basically, and and make sure that they cruise uh, in the playoffs and get things right in the playoffs. So, I'm take, picking the Ravens, but I'm taking the Browns to cover. Uh, I'll jump through my other two picks now uh, for the NFL, and then I'll turn back to you guys. Uh, the Saints are traveling to Tennessee on Sunday. The Saints are one-point favorites against the Titans. One of those teams may go to the Super Bowl, and that's not the Titans. So I absolutely love the Saints traveling to Tennessee with only one point. The Steelers are going to the New York Jets. Just watch the Ravens dismantle the Jets. Like most other good teams have done this season, yeah, Duck Hodges is not going to score a lot of points, but the Jets against this Pittsburgh defense, I don't think they score more than 13. 
Pittsburgh, I love that game as three-point favorites. They win that like 17-10, to 10, uh, and, and I'm very comfortable in that pick. So, Tim, who, who do you like outside of the Ravens game for NFL? Yeah, so behind the curtain, I thought it was New Orleans minus one and a half, but if it's one, I believe you in that, I'll take that. Minus one, at time of recording playing right now, I don't see that line moving based, or too much anyway, based on what happens. Tennessee's good. We've talked about them. Uh, they lost the game to Houston last week. Antonio's second favorite team, the Houston Texans. Um, but <laughs> officially, I, officially covered their over-under on Sunday go. with two weeks to spend. There you go. I still think they're pretty legit. And then, you know I got to do it. It's Buffalo. Plus six and a half. Away to New England. Can further cause all this pain and sorrow for these suffering New England fans who've been through so much. I think New England still probably wins the game, to be completely fair. But the Bills are good, and making New England and that offense a six-and-a-half-point favorite, I don't care if it's at home. That's absurd. That's for the division. Bills Mafia will, will travel. They'll be throwing <laughs> each other through tables in Buffalo and New England right outside Gillette Stadium, pouring mustard all over themselves. It's going to be great. Um, so give me Buffalo, even though I don't necessarily think they'll win. It's going to be way closer than a six-and-a-half-point game. I'm, I'm right there with you. That was a close game. The first time Josh Allen got knocked out, he's improved a lot since that game over the course of this season. Um, and I just think, yeah, that defense, Patriots aren't going to be able to score that many points. I still think they win. They're Gillette. Uh, the refs L M one after that, uh, that Chiefs game. But uh, the, um, uh, I, I think they win. And um I'll go to, to my because I had the Bills. I'll just hit my other pick is um, the Dallas Cowboys are two and a half point favorites at the Eagles. We talked about the Eagles a little bit. Um, they required a touchdown with under thirty seconds to go to beat the or under fifty or under a minute to go to beat the uh, the Washington Redskins, who are uh, notably not a good team. And I don't think the Cowboys are a great team, but. Uh, they did just hammer the Rams, their first win against a winning team all season, which is kind of hard to believe. Um, and it just seems, I think the Cowboys have an obvious deficiency in the head coach department versus Doug Peterson, but the Eagles have been so unimpressive. They needed overtime and were down 17 to three against that just atrocious Giants team. Um, I, it's just hard for me to not believe that the Cowboys aren't the better team. And if they win this game, they'll win by like three. So I'm taking the Cowboys there. A quick note about the Patriots bills game. Unfortunately, I think for all of us, if the bills beat the Patriots, they still will not have the tiebreaker in that division. The, the Patriots are going to finish against the dolphins that we assume will be a win, but wouldn't that be the sweetest loss of, of the year? But Assuming New England takes care of that game, they're still going to win the division, unfortunately. But I agree with you both. I think that six and a half is is way too high. And the Bills make a game out of it. So, we have to finish up here. I'm going to run through my random Raven clues one more time. This player played three seasons with the Ravens, 2014, 2015, and 2016. He signed with us as an undrafted free agent, wore the number 54, In 2016, he started 15 games, was number one on the Ravens in approximate value, and made 130 tackles with three interceptions, was second team All-Pro that season, and ended up retiring that next offseason and immediately became a member of the Ravens coaching staff. I hate this. A guy makes 130 (laughs) tackles, second team All-Pro, 
on a Ravens defense from three years ago. <laughs> three years ago. And my brain is melted to the point where I don't. I, I can't think of anybody. I'm thinking like Prescott Burgess, but that was way long ago. And he made great no impact. Why is that the guy that I'm remembering? He did nothing for the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, uh, can I get a college? Will that help? Uh, I, can, I did I look it up. I, I don't think it's going to help. I believe it was North Texas, but yeah, so I, 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 I don't know anybody. That sounds there. right. Yeah, I'll say I this. Think. I'll say this clue to you, Tim, just because I'm I'm pretty sure Jay seems to know what it is. But the in, he retired that offseason because of an injury. Yeah, and it was a spinal cord injury. It was a serious deal, and he essentially was forced into retirement. Oh man, uh, to save his health. That they really thought that if he got tackled in a bad way, that. He could have been seriously injured, if not even like worse than that. So he had retired immediately, uh, and then was immediately brought on for the coaching staff. Uh, I, it's it's on my tongue. This one is closer than last week, where I had legit had no idea about Corey Redding. But Jace, I turn to you, man, because I, I don't know it. It rhymes. Number fifty-four, Zachary Orr. Zach Orr. Zach Orr is this week's random Raven. 130 tackles. See, he's second really team all good. pro. I, I had no idea that he was second team all pro. And I was thinking of the sleeves, and he wore the visor. He looks like Tyus Bowser right now. They, they look. I mean, in terms of what they like wear, in, in terms of equipment, Zach Orr. Yeah, second team all pro. That threw me off completely. I would have never gotten that. I knew he was good. I didn't know he was that good. <laughs> uh, so sort of, a, you know, a, a bummer in the sense that yeah. he was an undrafted guy sure. who had gotten this great accomplishment and then retired, but. Has stuck with the organization. Uh, I think he's like a line assistant linebackers coach or something like that. So it's good that he stayed, uh, you know, in in the building and that they hung on to him. But Zach Orr can forever say second team All Pro member in the NFL. So that is my random Raven. We plug him into the lineup, Tim. Uh, Suddenly the defense is really coming together. The random Raven all-time defense. Yeah, let's run through it real quick. Uh, I'll run through the entire team. Uh, Owen Daniels, BJ Sams, Marlon Brown, TJ Hushmanzada, Edwin Mulatalo. We were really disrespecting the defense until right about now with Dewan Landry, Kerry Williams, back to the offense to Ovi Mihaly, then Jimmy Leonard. Then we've got Troy Smith at quarterback, Musa Smith in the backfield, and then Jamie Sharper, Kelly Gregg, Corey Redding and Zach Orr. I mean, this is a that's good a, defense. You're not running good defense. on this. You're <laughs> not running on this defense. You might be able to throw. Uh, a, it depends on what Kerry Williams we get. If we right. get Eagles Kerry Williams, then we're, we're done for. Uh, same with Dewan Landry. If we get past his Ravens prime, Dewan Landry, it's not going to be very good. But uh, yeah, up, up front, we're doing very very well. Stout, stout, stout up front. Up front. Absolutely. All right, so that's going to do it for us. Next week, Tim will have the Random Raven. He has already told me that he's got a good name that uh, that we got from a listener. We did. Yeah, this was a listener-submitted one from a long time ago. Um, so apologies that we're just getting to it now, but I figured pretty good time to throw it in there. Any other final news, notes that you guys have about uh, this upcoming game against the Browns? Let's kill Cleveland. Let's just kill them. Bury them in the dirt. I think it would be... So it it could turn out even with the amount of incredible wins against teams we do not like um, this season, a dominating, demoralizing loss for the Cleveland Browns at the hands of the Baltimore Ravens would go down as one of the most satisfying so far. I think I couldn't say it any better than that, Tim. And we'll be back next week to recap that game with you all for 
Jace Evans, and Tim Horsey. I am Antonio Barbera, signing off on another episode of Pod Like a Rock. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.